Thank you for putting up with my bad playing. Good to be with you this morning, and I'm glad that we get to see what God wants with us today. What do you want in life? I think about that often as I look out at you. I got asked that by a mentor a little while ago, and I was supposed to come up with this list of things that I want. I haven't called him back. And that's not because I don't want things. That's just because I can't figure out what I want, what I actually want. But I think about that often when I look at, at you, because every week I think about what, what you want and how I, not because I'm trying to you know, fix your lives or anything like that, but how I can bring you the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, where God actually gives us maybe not what we think we want, but what we really want, what our hearts really want, even if we don't always realize it. What do you, what do you want? I think about you, I look at you and think, oh, you, you want a girlfriend, you want to keep your girlfriend, maybe you're trying to get your, your spouse or keep your spouse happy. Some of you want the stock market to fix itself so that you can stay retired because you don't want to go back to work. You want better health. What do you want? And, and every now and then I get to have the, the great joy in life of seeing God give you what you want. Like this week, I, I know a couple of you got what you wanted. You had some loved ones who were not feeling very well suddenly start to feel better. And it's not because you invented some great cure or you worked so hard and you finally figured out uh, uh, what they needed for treatment. Uh, it's not because their medicine was all of a sudden just the right cocktail, the right mix. No, you, you just, you got what you wanted and it was a huge gift from God. I was thankful that you got what you wanted. But what do you want in life? Today, God lets us see this great story that asks us this question, how do we get what we want? Right? I mean, how do we get, actually get what we want? And it's a, it's a really helpful question to ask because uh, it's practical on the one side. Our time is so full of, of figuring out just getting what we want. You know, most of life I justify, I explain by, well, I just got to do do what's good for me, right? It's just, it's just what, I, what I want. Uh, or, you know, we tell people, well, you do you and I'll, I'll do me, right? Because that's what I want. So there's a really practical side to it. Uh, on the other side, it's also a, a very religious question, not like a, a big, profound religious question, but what do you want? It's actually religious. Jesus, one time, for example, uh, he's, he's going out of the city of Jericho and he sees a couple of blind men and they say, have mercy on us. And Jesus turns to them and says, well, what do you want? And I always thought, well, what, isn't it obvious what they want? <laughs> they want to see. But he says, what do you want? Uh, or one time his disciples come to him and they say, hey, give us what we ask for. Can you do us a favor? And I always think it's funny because Jesus doesn't look back at the disciples and say, I don't do favors. He says, what do you want? right? Uh, or one time, there's a whole crowd of people following after Jesus, and they, he says to them, what do you want? Now, I'm not saying that Jesus walked around with some magic wand giving people whatever they wanted, but he was obviously in tune with the fact that what we want and how we get what we want is so important to us. And so today, he starts off, and he tells this story about a man who seems to have everything that he could want. He says, there's this rich man, this rich man, and he has everything you could possibly want. 
He's dressed in purple, and in the ancient world, purple was very hard to come by, so that's a, a testimony to the fact that he is wearing the best possible clothes. His palace, it says that he has gates to his house. Now, don't think of this as like a charming Cape Cod and little quintessent, you know, with the nice little wooden fence and the little gate. He doesn't have that kind of a gate. He has a palace with gates, right? He's got that huge mansion that has the big gates, you know, and you got to do three miles up the road just to get to the house. He's got those kind of gates. And did you notice how it says that the people wanted to eat the scraps that fell from the table? What does, that, what does that mean? When do you have food falling off your table? When you sit by yourself at breakfast in the morning and you have your Cheerios? No, of course not, right? On Thanksgiving, when you've got so much food falling off your table and you've got 50 people there, they're all trying to snarf down the chicken or the turkey all at once, right? That's when the food is falling off your table. And, and so what is he saying? He's got lots of friends and, and lots of food all the time. This man is a one percenter of one percenters. He's got everything that you could possibly want in life. He's got it all. He is so rich, and I'm not going to pick on him. I'm not going to make fun of him or say that it was somehow a bad thing. There's no hint in the story or in the lesson that he's somehow unhappy or depressed with what he has. You know, there's a statistic that tells us that once you get to about seventy-five or $80,000 in life, you don't get any happier. If you make seventy-five dollars or $80,000 a year, people don't get happier when they make 200000 It's good enough at seventy-five. But, but we don't get any sense that despite the fact that this guy is probably making billions, that he's somehow unhappy. No, he's getting everything that he wants, except for one thing. Did you catch it? What one thing does the guy not have? He doesn't have a name. He has no name. He's no name. Can you imagine? What if I just, you walked in here in the morning and I said, hey you, tall person, nice to see you. Hey you there, older person, nice to see you. Hey silver haired, hey brown haired. Hey, blonde-haired, what? This guy's got no name. He's missing a name. Now, why is that important? Why can you tell that that's significant? Jesus tells lots of stories that don't have a name for a character. And you wouldn't think anything of it except for who gets a name in the story. Lazarus does. Lazarus does, right? So why do you get money in life? A lot of people get money in life. One of the biggest reasons is because they want to make a name for themselves. This man gets everything he wants except for the one thing that actually counts, a name. He's not a person. He is a complete unknown identity to us and to everybody else in life. The poor guy. There's something in this lesson for us trying to show us something, right? Now, I'm not saying that somehow money is, is awful or something like that, but what the lesson is trying to show us is that money can't make us who we are. Money can't really make us who we are. Money can be a, a good thing for a lot of things in life, but it can't make us 
who you are. You need to be somebody whether or not you have any finances in life. And this is not a big deal, right? We, we all know this. We've thought about this before. One thing I learned about rich people, for example, there's, there's stories about the really, really rich in life, the people who have nannies at their houses. You know what they do? They, they take off the price tags before the food and the furniture come into their homes. Really, right? I was, so I was, the, the, I was talking with these rich people, right? And they, they meet the grocer who's dropping off the food at their house, and they pull the $10 price tag off the bread before it goes in their house. Why? Because they don't want their nanny to know how much they're spending on their bread. Now, do you think the things, do you tell people about the things that make you who you are? A lot of you are married, aren't you? Do you ever go around and hide your spouse? Like, I don't know that person. I mean, you have kids. Do you hide your kids? No, right? The things that make you who you are, you tell people about. You let them know about them. And yet here we are, the really rich in life are saying, I don't want people to know that I have money. I don't want to make a name for myself out of money. That's because money can't make a name for you. It can't make you who you are. Money is just as likely to destroy you as it is to make you. So that's the first thing that we see in this lesson. And of course, the point, or we, we get to the point where money didn't make any difference anyway. We, we know the end of the story, that the rich man, he ends up in, in hell. The poor man, he ends up in heaven. That shouldn't be a shocker to us, or that, that should be a shocker to us, right? We should be really surprised by that, but we aren't because we've, we've heard the story before. And it would have been absolutely mind-boggling in the ancient world to have somebody this wealthy, this rich, not end up in the good place in life. But then you get to this, this point where the man doesn't become somebody by having money. And that's, then, the, then we get to the second thing in the story. The second thing in the story, and this is where the story really gets interesting, because the rich man is in hell. And in hell, whether you, whether you think hell exists or not, Let's imagine it does. Let's take Jesus' story to be true and accurate for a minute. The man is in torment. It's very unpleasant for him. He is not at all happy. And he makes this request then. It's not a rude request. It's not impious. He's not upset. He's not angry. He says, Father Abraham, and he says, have pity on me. Or technically, very specifically, what he says is, have mercy on me. It's exactly how a very religious person would talk. A very religious person would have said about Abraham, Father Abraham, have mercy, have pity on me. So he's finding his religion, and what does Abraham say back to him? You already got your good stuff. Now we're really getting into this story. This man, all of a sudden, he has become so pious so godly, so religious. He's, he's found religion late on in his life. Maybe he thought about God that way his whole life. Maybe he didn't. We don't know, right? But here's what we can see. Here's what we can tell from him. We do know that he looked to God just to get good stuff. We do know that he looked to God just to get his good things. Now, here's, here's the key about that. There's a world of difference, isn't there, between loving God just because you love him and loving God just to get good things. Imagine that you've got a teenager. Imagine that you've got a teenager, right? 
15, 16 years old, and they're your typical teenager. One day, they're wonderful. They're so responsible, so mature, they get everything done, and you're like, who are you, kid? And the next day, right, they can hardly get out of bed. They're cranky. They're moody. They're yelling at everybody, right? And then, then the next day, they're conquering the world, and the day after that, they're just ticking everybody off, and you're like, oh, okay, you're, you're a teenager. But then the teenager one day comes up to you, and they wrap you in a big hug, big, big hug, and they say, I love you, Dad. I just love you so much. I love you more than anything. You're the best thing ever. What's the first thing you say to the kid? What do you want, right? No, actually, it's not, isn't it? Your first thing, you grab him by the shoulders, and you look back right in the face, and you say, I love you too. I love you more than everything. What do you want? We know this. We know that there is a world of difference between loving somebody just because they love you and because they want good things from you. And don't you think if we can tell, God can tell? Don't you think he absolutely can tell if you and I love him just because we love him and if we love him just to get good stuff from him? The second is nothing but abuse and manipulation and deceit, and cheating, and lying, and everything else that's false, and awful, and evil in life. And of course, God knows. It's not, right, there's nothing that, uh, you can't get, not money, not a miracle, your pious, religious godliness will get you what you really want in life. What will get you what you really want? There's only one thing that will get you and I what we really want, And Jesus tells it at the end of the story. He says to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. He makes this really stunning point at the end of the story, doesn't he? That even if somebody were to rise from the dead, you and I, we wouldn't get what we want. We couldn't fix the people around us. We couldn't change everybody else. We couldn't get what we want. Why? I think Jesus has a, a great illustration for us one time in his life. He, he uses the picture, he says the word of God is like a seed. And what's the difference between a seed and a weed? What's the difference between a seed and a weed? Both grow, don't they? Both grow, both grow up and become something wonderful and good. Well, maybe not a weed though, does it? A weed doesn't become something good. A weed destroys everything in its path, doesn't it? A weed will eat up everything. If you've got a garden and you don't pull the weeds, the weeds will destroy everything in your garden. With that awesome illustration, Jesus is pointing out something. The Word of God is the only thing that will make you and I into something that is really good. It's the only thing that will let us grow up into something that is beautiful and wonderful and godly. Nothing else in this world will really give us what we want. If we want money, if we want miracles to somehow rescue us, all of our religious piousness, all of those other things, they will be weeds in our lives, and they will destroy us and eat us up. And that's because Jesus became that true seed, isn't he? The true seed who fell to the ground and died so that you and I could have a word from God that really gives life. It's a word that from God that will grow us up into not just something good, but everything good. The word is what will work, what will get us what we want. All because that seed fell to the ground and died. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't that a wonderful 
truth that the word, not even miracles, not miraculous things. I mean, how many of you have had something miraculous, like you can say truly miraculous, happened in your life? I bet a lot of us can't even say that. And yet one thing that each and every one of us can say, no matter what, is that we have the word, the promise from God that says to us, I have died and I have risen for you so that you can have life. You have something in your life, no matter what, no matter how rich you are or poor you are, how happy or sad you are, how famous you are, how how infamous you are, you have something good that can give you what you really want. The Word. The Word. Isn't that awesome? Look at the last things here. Look at how, what the Word gives us. The Word can give you three things. First of all, the guy is called Lazarus. You get a name with the Word. Isn't that great? If you want to be somebody in God's kingdom, in God's economy, if you want to have, be known, get the Word. The Word will give you a name. Second thing that he gets, he gets his good things. He gets his good things. Lazarus gets all of the good things in eternity. It's true that you can't love God just to get good stuff, but if you have the Word, you will love God and you will get good stuff. You may not get it all in this life, but you'll get it eventually. God will make sure you get your good stuff. That's how blessing works. The third thing, the third thing is he's persuaded. He has faith. There's nothing more wonderful in life than people who can trust other people. And the most important person to trust is God. If you want to live as a person with trust, with trust in others and with trust in God, get the word. Because you'll live with trust. You'll live with dependence. Not only on the God who loves you more than anything, but on the people around you. You'll learn to trust them too. That's how awesome this word is. It will really get you what you want. And you know, if you take a look at the great people of of history, the great people of faith, that's something that they all discovered. That at some point you have to move beyond the miracles, beyond all of the power, the fame, the authority, everything else special in life, because ultimately it's only the word that will get you what you want. Martin Luther talked about that during the Reformation. He pointed out how he would just preach the word and then he could sit with his friends and drink beer. Yes, he even drank beer and sleep. And the word did the work The Word did it all, he said. Charles Spurgeon famously said a couple hundred years after that that the Word was like a lion. He didn't have to defend that lion. All you have to do is let that lion out and it would defend itself. It would take care of itself. The Word did it all. Even even C.S. Lewis, we were watching C.S. Lewis's conversion the other week. He realized how the Word was this true myth. Yes, it was a story about things that were more wonderful than he ever wanted But at the heart of it, there was a truth to it. And that story was so much better than, as he said, the material progress that leads only to an abyss. No, it would actually gave him what he wanted. Friends, you and I, you and I could get after lots of other things in life. It's not just the word that the word of God will save us. No, it's that the word of God will actually get us all the good things that we want in life. And there's nothing else more that God would love for you to have than to get what you maybe don't even know you want, but what you really want. Can I pray that God would give you what you really want, even if you don't know it? Let's pray for that this morning. Lord God, we thank you that you have given us your word so that we have something that 
every one of us, whether we are rich or we are poor, whether we are single or we are married, whether we are homed or, or homeless, whether we have hope or we're sad today, you have given us something that will give every single one of us exactly what we want. And maybe we don't even know we want it yet. Maybe we don't even realize what we really want. Maybe we, we think we want money or we think we want a family or we think we want to go to heaven. But you have given us this word that will change us and shape us and give us what we really want. And so we pray that that word would live deeply in our lives today and always in such a way that we wake up someday and we discover we've got everything that we ever wanted the whole time. We pray for that realization in Jesus' name. Amen.